0: You're listening to the Bride Chilla podcast, helping bride chillers and groom chillers plan their wedding, minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time. Well, howdy doody. Welcome to Bride Chilla. I'm Alicia. And I'm here to uh, be your guardian angel, your fairy godmother, your inappropriate friend who uh, in a restaurant would speak too loudly and get you in trouble. I am very delighted to be sharing this time with you and a big gratitudinal, is that a real word? I think it is. Um, Just want to say thanks, really. Don't go fancy, Alicia. Just go for it. Big thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the show, who is listening to the back catalogue and uh, people who are supporting what I do, whether that is in a monetary sense or just in a general good vibes. I love you all. Just wanted to kick off the show with a bit of positivity. Really, nothing special. Just that you're great. Spent a lot of time this week, during uh, appropriate. <laughs> I was going to say during inappropriate times. Really, I was at my place of work, my day job, that I go to, and just think about you guys a lot while doing my day job. Spent a lot of time on the BrideChiller Facebook community. In my day job, I'm, I'm a casting producer for a television show lots of different television shows. And the beautiful thing about my job, just to let you in on a bit of my background, is that we do a lot of casting via Facebook. So I can legitimately have Facebook open in my workplace and typing like a mad woman. And they think I'm very focused on my job, which I am. I'm very good at my job. I'm allowed to say that because it's what bride chillers do. We're very confident. And just give credit where credit's due. And if you're good at your job, just say it. I'm good at it. But I'm also very good at typing back messages to you and the Chiller community. I'm a little behind on my emails. I do apologize. It takes a village, of which I don't have. I have the wonderful Erica and the wonderful husband Richard, and that's my village. And I'm happy with that village. They're a solid crew, but sometimes I get behind in my emails, and for that, I'm deeply sorry. Now, today, you inspired me to sort of go back into the back catalog for a bit of audio I have been reading a lot of conversations in the BrideChiller community about two topics that stress me out a little bit. And if they stress me out, then they must stress you out. And that is contracts, the legal shit that is attached to giving your money to someone and hope that they do what you ask them to do. A service they're providing, something. Uh, And also using friends as vendors. Frienders is what we're calling them. And that's great, and I'm such a big fan of finding people in your circle, and hiring them, paying them to do a service, especially if they're given, you know, a kick-ass reference from a friend saying, "My friend Diane is really good at design, a graphic design. You should hire her to do your wedding invitations." Now, let me just talk a little bit about hiring friends because this is something I think a lot of people struggle with because they find it hard to talk about money. Now, there's a difference between hiring a friend and just getting a friend to do you a favor. But then also, it's sort of the same when it comes to your wedding. You want to make sure whoever you trust with a job, a physical job or to supply a service is actually going to do that stuff for you because if they don't, you're fucked basically. So I've been reading lots of comments about asking questions about contracts. And I know that some people have been asking me when we put the Survival Guide and the Field Guide out, my new books that are coming, people were saying please include a contract template that we can use. So long story short, I promise I'm getting to my point, I contacted today's guest, Christy Asselin, and she is known as uh, The Wedding Lawyer. She's amazing. She's based in California. She's a very busy lady, but she's very knowledgeable, and I had her on the show yonks ago, yonks ago. And we did this really involved, I think, very interesting interview about your legal obligations. And not, I don't want you sitting here now going, that's me snoring. That wasn't... <laughs> that's an awful sound effects by Alicia. But I remember doing this episode and being really interested. She's amazing talent, but also just going, shit, there's so much about my life that I just sign away and don't think about. So I contacted Christy and sort of said, look, I'm writing this book. Could you give me potentially some advice? What about downloadable contracts? And she made the very good point uh, that it's quite hard to give legal advice to people all over the world because different laws, different states, different countries are in play. But she gives some excellent, very general advice that I think we all should listen to. And not just for our weddings. This is like stuff we should be thinking about every day. I don't know how many times I've read recently stories of people getting completely screwed over by the man and who's the man, the man, but also in workplaces, buying uh, lots of consumer sort of problems. I've worked on consumer TV shows where people have purchased large items like cars and houses and have really had literally their lives ruined by not reading contracts or not knowing their legal obligations and rights. I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned with my experience with making this show and then also some of these TV shows I've worked in, is that a lot of people feel that when things go wrong, they don't have a voice to say, I'm not happy, I feel aggrieved, please help me. And to be honest, I worked on a property show recently where people literally they had their houses, they'd bought new houses and And they were literally falling down around them. And it was heartbreaking because I would get on the phone and talk to these people and they were just like, we just don't know what to do. We don't know where to turn. And it made me think, I'm a fairly independent woman, woman, and I'm pretty feisty. I just don't take shit, but I've had to learn that and I think I'm quite confident. And if I'm not very happy with something, I generally find my voice and speak up and say, that's not going to work for me. If you've heard the podcast before, you'd know that's one of my favorite sayings. That's not going to work for me. Or, please can I have some more information? I'm not very happy with that. What can you do to make this better? But a lot of people get to the stage where they feel like they don't have a voice, they don't have anyone to support them, and also feel pressured to make decisions quickly when it comes to business arrangements and just sign things and don't read them. Which takes me back to the friender's sort of topic that I really think is something we should talk more about. Hiring people that are friends of friends and you get a bit casual and you go, yeah, but I know them or I know Stephanie and she knows Jerry and I am i really trust her. I think she's going to do it. And then this woman disappears. She goes AWOL or she just says, yeah, look, it was something I was going to do on the side, but I haven't really got time to do it anymore. So fuck, it, I'm not going to do it. And then you're left in a position where you have no sort of legal rights because you haven't got anything in writing or People feel like they're not delivering an item because they don't have anything in writing so they don't really know what they're doing and they're a bit vague, probably a bit of a stoner and, uh, you know, they're off. I'm not saying your friends are stoners. And if they are, more power to them. But they should be definitely writing down. If they're a stoner, they should be definitely writing down what they need to be doing with their lives because sometimes it can make you vague. So today's episode, God, that was long. Are you guys all right? I hope everyone's Okay. I got on a real rant. You know I like to rant. If you're new, I like to rant. So today, after people asking questions about contracts and me writing a big section in my book about contracts, I went back and listened to this episode and got a lot of value myself out of it from Christy's advice and making sure that I was being able to explain the area of contracts without giving legal advice because I'm not a lawyer. I'm a comedian from Hobart, Tasmania, Australia and the only law I've ever done is media law at university and I got a terminating pass because it was fucking hard and they basically wanted me to pass to get me out of their law faculty so I would never return. So listening back to this episode, I actually realized how crackerjacket is with information and also very entertaining. I not just about me guys, but actually the stuff that Christy, the stories that Christy talks about in this interview, that some of these debacles that people have gotten themselves into, not necessarily of their own doing, but just the things that can go wrong or are completely out of your control. Which are funny in a way, but awful because, you know, obviously if it happened to you, it would suck, but great for a podcast. So I wanted to share this interview with you. And even if you've heard it before, I think it's really worth sticking around and just taking in some of these points and making sure that if you have friends or friends of friends or someone that's doing casual DJing or whatever, not to feel uncomfortable by approaching them and asking things to be put into writing I just want to really that's the key message today is to find your voice be empowered and cover your ass because if you don't do it no one else is going to especially if they're amateur people you're hiring and they're not going to go out of their way to find a contract you know they're probably not even in their thought process it sounds like I'm dissing them I'm not all right enjoy this episode I'll be back before the break love you all Imagine you ordered a rustic inspired, daisy adorned, beautiful naked wedding cake and the bakery on the day delivers a dozen pink cupcakes. Perhaps the venue that you've had your heart set on for three years, that you've booked and you've paid for, contacts you 10 days before the wedding and says, no, we're going to close for renovations. Sorry, can't get married here. What the hell do you do? Do you panic Do you pay the money? Do you just put up with it and run around like a chook with its head cut off trying to find some solution? No. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm offering you a better solution than that. You contact my very lovely guest today. She's an attorney. Her name is Christy Asselin. She is a a wedding lawyer. She is someone that can stop the shit before it hits the fan. How about that for an intro? (laughs)
1: That's the best intro ever. Thank you so much. (laughs) That was
0: great. Uh, Well, Christy, you are one of these people that I have like a million questions for because I think of, I think you've probably heard me say in the podcast that a wedding is a business transaction and a lot of people forget that when they come to plan.
1: No, I'm just saying people do sort of forget it and um, it's important to remember that it's a contract you know, with your vendor and then the actual marriage is also a contract with you know, your state. So my marriage with my husband is Chris, me and the state of California is not romantic.
0: She's <laughs> <laughs> putting the love back into it. Well, I it try. Is, and you do a great job. And look, these, uh, these examples that I read out just then, they are examples I got from your website. And I'm assuming these are examples that you've had to deal with uh, in some sort of way with people having, unfortunately things go wrong at often the last minute and then, try and figure out what the hell to do to either get their money back or fix the problem
1: well actually my inspiration for um for the the practice idea was really i was in a wedding about five years ago i was a maid of honor my like best friend in the whole world got married and she had bought these this beautiful beautiful dress spent a couple thousand dollars on it plus alterations and right before we put her into the dress to have pictures done about an hour before the ceremony, the zipper broke mm. and it caused an absolute panic for all of us because we could not get that zipper up. Oh, no. And yeah, it was disaster. And we you know, called the boutique several times and... They just never made it out in time and really the wedding planner and a couple of bridesmaids and myself, we wound up stitching her into the into the oh wedding. Oh
0: gosh.
1: I know, it was such a bomber. So we afterwards, you know, wound up running a demand letter to the boutique and the boutique um kind of denied any liability and I wound up, you know, helping my friend with um a small claims action and she did wind up getting quite a bit of mo- quite a bit of money back on it. So
0: so in those situations, for example, the dress, I mean, that sucks that that happened. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and obviously the boutique were, how did you see it? The boutique were at fault because they sold a crappy dress or they sold a dud, a dud dress. Is that how you approach that angle?
1: Pretty much. Yeah. We said the zipper was malfunctioned, malfunctioned because it wasn't appropriate for the dress. You know, there's a warranty on things that you purchase that they work for the purpose you purchase them. So, my friend bought a wedding dress to wear at her wedding, the zipper broke, and she couldn't wear it without huge alterations done in the last minute.
0: You, you are a, a lawyer, you're used to, you're trained to, to look at a dispute and figure out what the best solution is, I suppose, for both parties or for the party you're representing. Do you find mm-hmm. uh, that in general, a lot of people are scared to speak up and a lot of people are just scared to actually take that step and going, hey, I've been wronged, let's fix this?
1: No, I mean, I've talked to quite a few people and when things go wrong and they wind up calling me, you know, they're upset. about what has happened, and they're ready to take action. Um, I think the issue comes up because, um, you know, that saying that, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, sometimes people approach um, their contract with their wedding vendor or whomever and um they're not always thinking about the big, big picture and they don't always think about the fact that something could go wrong
0: yeah and i think that's a that's a really good point to make there that we have, have this whole idea uh, this image of the perfect day where everything will work and realistically mm-hmm you know, stuff goes down and hopefully it's stuff that you can just fix and not worry about or have a wedding planner that can just push it aside and you don't know. But then sometimes yes. big things happen and you they're out of your hands, but, you know, you're out of pocket or out of a wonderful experience because of these
1: problems. Absolutely. In fact, something happened to me on my wedding.
0: Tell me. Oh, year.
1: no. Oh, no. Yes? Can you believe this? It, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be okay, but we had contracted with a vendor Um, to do the catering. And we had, we wanted really, really yummy food. Um, So we went up hiring a vendor that did um, gourmet pizzas. Um, And so um, I had spoken with their communications director person throughout the entire time before the wedding. And then about a month before the wedding, she left the position. So my uh, contact changed. And um, the problem was that I had been promised that they would provide um, a service staff on the day of. So um, I didn't have to hire one to come in and do the busing and the serving of appetizers, all that kind of thing. Uh, but the day of the day of the wedding, my mother-in-law comes in as I'm getting dressed and she goes, Christy, um, there are supposed to be servers here, right? And I said, yeah. She's like, OK, I got it. Don't worry about oh, it. Everything's Madonna. cool. <laughs> well, oh god bless her and our uh facilities manager for the venue where we got married because um there were no bussers there were no service people there was no one there to like get the food out or pour the drinks or anything we had a bartender but i mean kind of refill drinks so um at the last minute we had to hire uh some people to come in and do that thank goodness i didn't know anything about it but afterwards i found out and i was not very happy and, um, you know, I had a lot of uh, records to show that I was promised specifically people to come in and help serve and to do the busing. And so he wound up like um, reimbursing us for the cost of the staff that we had to hire the day out of.
0: Good. Well, that's a good, That's. I mean, it's a good solution for an outcome from a crappy sort of situation you've been in. Well, I wanted to ask you that, you know, one of these common things everyone sort of puts out there, and it's completely true, is that the average wedding, especially in the States, will cost, you know, 25 to 30 grand, which is crazy money. Yeah. And a point that you it's made... 30. Yeah, it's it's when you put it down and I always sort of say that's like an average wage, a whole year of your money going to this one event. So you want to make sure you are really covering your ass and making sure it goes well. And the point that you made in an email to me was saying that that sort of figure, when you think about it, is larger is a larger budget than many small businesses begin their whole business
1: with. That's That yeah. puts it into perspective. It's really a lot of money. I mean, that could pay for one year of lockdown. School in the United States. <laughs> so Crazy. You know. it's a little more than that, but it's a lot of money. It's kind yeah. of ridiculous.
0: So I, the big point when we, we got in contact, I really started to think about all these sort of points that we could help our lovely save the date listeners with and, perhaps hopefully uh, put them in the position where they know where they stand with their vendors and uh, other people they're dealing with and also what they should do in case these situations are happening right now where they're they're really worried about uh, you know financial dealings and contract dealings especially so uh, I want to admit to you I contracts with me can be they're really boring they're really boring documents yeah, and sometimes we look at them and go ah, i'm sure it'll be fine sign it tell me about that <laughs>
1: <laughs> no no that's fine i think i think a lot of people feel that way my contracts professor in law school actually said he doesn't read contracts half the time and just signs <laughs> them <laughs> so you're not alone
0: when you're on the iphone you know when you're in the i. i always think about this when you're in the i. i'm sure people have done it when they've downloaded my podcast if you're in the itunes when you're in the itunes and Mm -hmm. it says oh you need to update your contract and you have to scan you do the little flip through about forty thousand pages and then you go click yes and you think i could have just signed my life away i have no idea (laughs) but i need to download that podcast or that song so quickly what do i do so it's they it, they're hard to look at for the average layperson, especially when you're dealing with a lot of money as well. That wasn't even yeah, a question; it was more just a statement. Christy, I'm so sorry. <laughs>
1: it's okay. I was like, ah, oh. wait, what did? What am I supposed to say back? It was just me. It was just
0: me going on a rant about contracts and how I don't often read them, and I think it bites me in the ass. Basically,
1: well, most of the time. You're not going to have issues. And let's be honest, when you're signing off on your iTunes, you know, updated contract, do you really have much of a choice? Not really. So you're just going to sign it anyway.
0: (laughs) I've got to get me my Beyonce. I need to be clicking the button.
1: (laughs) Yep, exactly. Um, I actually penned a short article on sort of explaining some of the more standard kind of um, boilerplate provisions you're going to see in contracts. I wrote an article about it. It's up on my blog. I can send you the link later if you'd like.
0: I would love that because it'd be great to post that so people can have a look and scan and see if they can hit the key points of contracts and make sure they're all tickety-boo.
1: Yeah, they can be very confusing.
0: So what are some of the tips? I, I think five big golden rules to making sure that you are in the best possible position when it comes to planning your wedding. Let's let's hit it first one. What, what's your first main point that you would say when it comes to planning the wedding? First, first sort of uh, situation you're in when you might have to hand over money to someone.
1: Um, I think number one is my golden rule, which is get everything in writing. Mm. Um, and that even goes for when your vendor is a personal friend. For instance, your florist is your cousin. Right. That's okay. I mean, that's great to have a family member help you out with your wedding. But um, if they're doing it as a professional, it's you need to have something in writing. Um, so in addition to that, you also want to make sure that the contract is pretty specific in terms of what duties the person has agreed to do before the wedding, during the wedding, and then after the wedding. Um, so for instance, in my situation was I, you know, I specifically asked the vendor whether they're going to provide people to bus up the dishes, um, you know, after the dinner, um, or do I need to hire someone else to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, also my photographer for instance she um, i'm using a lot of examples from my own wedding cuz I love all it on the top of my head i love it <laughs> um, she was is awesome and she actually was fantastic and she agreed to come and look at the the venue before the big day so she could get a feel for the lighting and kind of the layout of things and that popped into my contract too. So you want to make things as specific as possible. That way you eliminate the guesswork if anything goes wrong.
0: So when you're talking about contracts, do you who is the one that should be giving the contract? Is it the vendor giving the bride, the groom, the couple, the contract? Or is it okay for you if they don't have a contract? Can you say, hey, here's one I prepared earlier?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the vendor will usually have one. In my experience... I, um, have read a lot of vendor contracts and some of them are just terrible. So I, <laughs> I actually created my own template one <laughs> because right. as I was going along, you know, I was like, I can't even deal with this contract. So I just went rewriting, to rewriting everything. And, um, everything was, you know, peachy keen. So generally speaking, it's the vendor, but the couple may also, you know, take, you know, um, the control and present their own contract. So when
0: when you are given, say, I uh, say I've booked some flowers, uh, I've I've gone through and, and read the contract, but I'm not happy with a couple of points. For example, I would like the flowers delivered before nine a.m. on the day, but they're saying it's going to be twelve. Uh, is it something that you can go back to and say I would like this contract amended without having to see a lawyer? Can you agree to do that just one on one?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, you can. I think that part of the pers- my perspective as the wedding lawyer is. Couples should be totally empowered to do what they need to do on their own without even hiring an attorney. Mm. So a lot of my materials that I have out there are really about helping people be empowered to DIY everything at their wedding, including their contracts, if they don't find it economical to hire someone to come in and negotiate for them.
0: What's your second big point?
1: Basically, don't pay cash for stuff. (laughs) (laughs) When you're making these very large purchases, don't pay with cash. You know, use your ATM. Well, preferably use a credit card as long as it's backed by Visa or if you use PayPal. um, Those are much, much better options than using cash um, because your credit card company or PayPal will have its own kind of internal process for handling disputes. So let's say you buy something like a set of invitations off of Etsy. And your card is charged, or you pay through PayPal, and you never receive um, those invitations. And the uh, the person selling the invita- the Etsy store, kind of vanishes and falls off the face of the earth. Mm. Your first option is to contact the seller if you can find them. And if they're responsive, that's fantastic. Your second option really should be to contact your credit card company to start a review or chargeback process.
0: And it is, and that's what I was going to say, my natural instincts, and I've said it before, is pay cash for stuff, pay cash, you get things cheaper. But then of course, that does mean that you don't have a paper trail to cover if you are in this situation of having to go and follow things up. It makes it pretty hard to, to recoup costs that way.
1: Oh yes. In fact I I worked I've done some consumer issues for a long time and I worked um on a case a few years ago where there was a um a sofa couch company or like a retailer. They basically (laughs) took people's money and you see this in wedding situations too, took people's money to manufacture a couch and then just like shut down. And all these people who had paid they'd offered a discount if they paid cash. So all these people who paid cash were totally up a creek and had to go through a lot to get their money back.
0: And and it is something you do see, and I, today I Googled as well, wedding disputes, wedding law, and I'm really sad to see, but a lot of the times it's wedding dress shops that are just going broke and just mm. putting a sign on the wall, the window, and then they're like, that's it, we're out of here, and you, no one gets their dresses. Yeah.
1: It's really common. It's, it's, and It's terrible, and again, when you're spending $30,000 on your wedding, that's a lot of money, dresses are like, I mean, I didn't spend that much on mine, but thousands upon thousands of dollars, I've watched enough say yes to the dress to know (laughs) people will spend like 12 grand on a dress, (laughs) you know? And for them not to get it because they paid cash, you know, it just... I think you just cover yourself a lot better if you pay with um, credit card or PayPal or something.
0: Well, Christy, let's go back to that. So, if, for example, you you do you put a deposit down on a dress, and as we know, a lot of these dress shops want you to put money down a year, six to eight months beforehand. It's a big investment prior to, and then the shop goes bust, they take off to Mexico, wherever. Or bankruptcy, who knows? I'm not saying they're all dodgy, mm-hmm. but it ends. You can't get the dress because mm-hmm. it doesn't physically exist yet. What the hell do you do?
1: You know what? If they're filing for, I mean, honestly, hire a lawyer at that point, especially who spent a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, if someone's filed for bankruptcy, there's like a lot of very complicated bankruptcy procedures that um, creditors can submit a claim, for instance. That's also possibly an issue with fraud that an attorney could help with. Um, Those things get a little more complicated. I mean, if the chargeback procedure doesn't help, then I, my answer really is to hire a lawyer because that, yeah. that really does get messy.
0: And it is that, that case of thinking, when is the time to do it? How much money would I, would you spend... On a lawyer versus how much money you could get back, especially I suppose in a bankruptcy case where you think, well, they've got no money anyway, I'm never going to suit this dress. is it I've only put a I've only I say only five hundred bucks down. Do you just walk away and right. find another dress, or do you spend money and time pursuing? It's a big decision, I suppose, to make.
1: It is, and I think it really depends on how much you invested and how much you're willing to continue to invest. Yeah, um because even with a bankruptcy case like you're saying, you submit a claim or you sue them for fraud or whatever in the bankruptcy court or through a civil claim. And, um, you know, it could be years and years and years and years before you see any money. So it's it's really kind of a an economic kind of cost-benefit analysis that you have to do.
0: Oh, what would be so hardcore, Debbie Downer. I hope anyone that's listening now, actually, look, if you have gone through with that, I'd be interested to hear the solutions. Please get in touch. But I really hope none of my lovely listeners are having these problems. But that's why we're here talking about this today. We're talking all about How to cover, I'm going to say cover your ass when it comes to (laughs) your vendor agreements. When you are in a, a financial transaction, yes, weddings are very emotive and wonderful and pretty, but also you are spending a lot of money. That's why Christy is here to tell us more about this very important issue and topic after this. I love talking about negotiating. I love talking about driving a hard bargain. It's all about you know, connecting with another person and then seeing where you can go together. But it makes it really hard when you don't have it in writing and you don't know your terms of agreement. So Christy, this is where we're coming up. This is your number three tip. What, what? What? How do you negotiate? How do you do good business when it comes, especially with the legal side of things? How do we develop those relationships with the vendor?
1: Well, let's just say that I have come across a few contracts or versions of contracts or modifications and I'm like, oh my gosh, why do they do it this way <laughs> it Happens <laughs> all the time? <laughs> just because as a lawyer, I just see things a little bit different. Mm. And so I, I would recommend people hire someone, if not an attorney, because it's, it's not an especially common practice, a, a wedding professional who can really kind of like help you to negotiate, um, the terms of you, your, your dealings with people, um, better than you can, because, uh, I love to negotiate, believe me. And I, I, <laughs> find it very hard to advocate for myself sometimes. It gets really uncomfortable because it's hard to be the bulldog when you're also trying to be like the cute bride who wants to have a good relationship with all your vendors. I had a wonderful um, facilities manager at our venue, and I asked so many hardcore questions. Um, and at one point he was like, look, I'm not trying to price gouge you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think you are. This is just how I function. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's all about communicating. And sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable if you're the one that are going to be getting married. So hire a professional of some sort.
0: Sure, and I, I mean I don't think – I feel like it's empowering to know where you stand with what you're doing and and also especially if you've worked damn hard for that money and you have an mm-hmm. idea of what you want, then you want to make sure that you get it and I think communication obviously is the key. But also yeah. you're right, it's really hard to stand across from someone and say, ah, uh, that's too much money, but then they're the people that you're going to be dealing with for the next 6 to 12 months. So it, it it's – It's really tricky. I suppose that's where a wedding planner comes in to some extent as well. You can sort of pass the buck a little bit, literally.
1: Oh, yeah. It's just uncomfortable. I mean, that's why actors and directors and producers all have agents and managers to help them with this stuff because it's like – you know, you want to be like the talent. <laughs> you don't want negotiating. You know, probably. <laughs> yeah, I've been in that situation.
0: And it is hard when you are in a room, especially I work in telly at in telly, that's what we say here in the Brit. we work in telly, in television. That. And you do have to when you freelance, you have to negotiate your rate. <laughs> and then you sit mm-hmm. two, two seats down from the person that you have been talking money with and you work with them and I always find that incredibly hard because you want to go hey I'm awesome I'm worth this money but then also you know it's very easy to be a complete pushover and take less money because you want to be polite mm-hmm. so that's it's tricky yeah
1: totally definitely
0: is. we it comes to number four I'm gonna call this number four the paper trail let's talk about the paper <laughs> trail <laughs> y-
1: yes you want to keep everything. You know, I, whenever I work with a, cl- a client, um, my first question is, "Did you keep all your records?" Because, um, basically, in a court of law, <laughs> unless you have a document to prove up what you're saying, yeah, court the judge may or may not believe you. It could be comic. He said, she said thing, which is something you really want to avoid. Yeah. So the more emails, the more contract negotiation stuff you have, like. You want to have it all together. So if something goes wrong, you can present it really, really well to the court and say, well, look, this vendor promised me X. Here is the contract provision, I think um, shows that. And then on top of that, I have, you know, some emails that happened after the contract that even prove it up more. So just keep everything in writing. In, in fact, and you know, sometimes when you have meetings with people, things will come up during a meeting and, you know, it's You're not going to be like, wait, hold on, let me write this down and I'll have you sign it. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just, it's not going to happen in normal conversation if something important comes up. So I always advise people to, you know, send out a confirmation email after an important conversation or, um, you know, a meeting of some sort, just to kind of set forth what you had discussed and it
0: doesn't have to be aggressive it could just be as we've had a chat in our meeting today we decided that you were going to charge me $200 for this instead of $500 and you will arrive at this time i mean it can be really friendly and casual but then it's a good way just to say hey that's set in stone we've pressed send it's gotten to you you've acknowledged it and it's it's on record
1: absolutely and you don't have to be like you said aggressive about it i mean i'm i'm pretty like friendly and generally a generally nice person you know so i i do this kind of stuff and it doesn't really make anyone mad <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you just have to be, you know, like this is the most normal thing in the world, and this is how I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be really nice about it.
0: <laughs> there is not, and I think the thing is, there is nothing wrong with standing your ground and knowing your rights. I really believe, especially as women as well, that people, these dickheads, will go, she's aggressive, and she's, you know, uh, she's. She's rude and whatever. You go, well, actually, if a man was saying this a lot of the time, this wouldn't even be an issue. So I really mm-hmm. struggle sometimes with being outspoken and being judged in yeah. a certain way. And I'm sure you see this all the time as a, an attorney mm. and a female attorney. And I hate even having to mention yeah. our sex in this situation, but it is that idea to go, we can mm. be strong and outspoken and not be, you know, a bulldog about it.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a whole other conversation, but yes.
0: <laughs> does no does no be organized, I suppose, is the big thing. I i have advocated a few times now that you have a an email address that's completely dedicated to weddings, and that would be a good way that you're not getting things mixed up, especially receipts and invoices and correspondence with other your daily life emails. So that would be a good way just to keep it all going to the one address. Then you can't really lose anything. All right. Number five. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is if things go down. Let's talk about number five. What? How do we? If if things have really gone to the dark side, what do we do? What mm-hmm. do we do?
1: So, if you have to really sort of dig your heels in and um, take some kind of action, and you have to, you know, bring up a claim in small claims court, or and that's just, I'm thinking just as California. I don't know what other um countries do. I know you're inter- this is a very international podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is please, well, the place of
0: I'm gonna add a little disclaimer here. Obviously we're talking general here. Christy's not giving you legal advice for your specific area because she's not a she's a wizard. She's a magic wonderful attorney, but she's mm-hmm. not an international law wizard. So you've got to obviously seek professional advice in your area. But carry on, Christy. There you go. That was my legal disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs>
1: very true that was well put thank you very much um so you're welcome um there may be a career in law for you in the future you never know (laughs) uh i would love it um yeah you'd be great at it um okay so you don't want to wait to bring a case like don't have a problem with your vendor and then like let it sit for years and years and years like you really want to act as soon as possible um there's statute of limitations issues to be concerned with which are basically um it's the law that prohibits you from um, suing after a certain date. So in California, depending on what claim it is, you have between um, about one and four years, depending on what kind of claim you're bringing, um, to bring a case against a vendor or whomever. So just don't wait. And if you think, think something's really going down, you know, contract, contact an attorney um, to help you figure out what your steps are.
0: Do you think it's something like, I was just thinking out loud here about, you know, you've hired a photographer, you get the photos back and they're all shit, they're all blurry and awful. I mean, clearly that's something you can't redo, but I suppose there would be an avenue to pursue saying you said you were going to take photos that were actually not blurry is that the sort of thing you're talking about
1: yes I see this all the time it's the photographers and the videographers Mm they are the biggest source of wedding insurance claims and they're maybe the most important part of your wedding they're a large chunk of your budget and they're there to preserve this day for you which will happen one time and it is an incredible experience and you'll want to look back on those photos and those videos yeah so you that's it makes me very very sad and I've heard a lot of stories about like you said, photos coming back blurry. One thing I did not mention that I I do consider an important factor to consider is getting some kind of wedding insurance. There's a cancellation insurance and there's liability insurance. Um, So you can, I forget which one you would use. I guess it would be the cancellation, I'm sorry, the liability insurance in case a photographer, let's say, gives you back really blurry photos or you never get your photos. You you, You could potentially file a claim with your insurance carrier. And if that's not an option, then you would have to sue in small claims court or, or depending on the value of the photos, um, take it to a superior court.
0: Oh, my God, I feel stressed. I feel stressed, but I feel sad, but I also feel <laughs> empowered in the sense to go, well, don't just take it. Just actually, you know, you've paid for a service. You should be able to have that service done properly.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it's the photographers and the videographers that break my heart the most when I hear those stories. I heard. I heard a story last year or maybe a year before about this woman that had had wedding insurance coverage for this type of issue and um, her photos turned out terribly. So the option was to um, probably take money or have them redone. So she redid her wedding photos. And <laughs> I, really? I don't think the wedding party was there, it was just her and her husband, yeah. Wow.
0: Imagine that, having to redo it all. I mean, it would be fun but sort of bad. <laughs>
1: I would put on that wedding dress again in a second.
0: <laughs> I know. I was just thinking, going, uh, it's in my cupboard. I could still do it. We could have a yeah, happy. I would again. do it. <laughs> well, luckily, I we had a fabulous wedding photographer, so we didn't have any problems in that area. I, I was just trying to think okay. about what areas that I would have seen. I, I suppose we, we, you know, we had a wonderful caterer, but they were a little slack with getting back to us. And I was panicked mm-hmm. the week before. A lot. It's funny, isn't it? And I think that was I've got, yeah. I get lots of questions about that, saying, "Oh, I don't really feel very important. We've paid all this money, and they're really slow getting back on the emails. I hope they turn up on the day." And we had a little bit of that concern, and they were amazing on the day. And we were like, "Oh, they were fine." But I did get nervous beforehand.
1: As soon mm. as you sign that contract, the sale is over, so they start taking their time.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Phone <turning> <laughs> call. <laughs> Everyone just settled mm-hmm. out. They've got your money now. Just relax.
1: <laughs> so, I mean, majority of the time, stuff isn't going to happen. Bad things are not going to happen. It's yeah. just this is good information to have just in case. You
0: you just taken the words out of my mouth. I was going to say exactly the same thing. Hopefully, you don't have any problems, and it all goes completely to plan. But it's good to have that knowledge because knowledge is power, and Absolutely. you you know where to go. And when to jump on something if it's not working for you, especially if you have paid a lot of money and stuff is not going your way. So, Christy, if people want to contact you, I, I love your website, yourweddinglawyer.com. It's very simple. Yeah. Now, you yeah. deal with people only in California, but can you uh, tell people, can you help people in Pushing them in the right direction if they are from elsewhere?
1: If you are from elsewhere and you feel the need to hire an attorney for something wedding related, what I would do is you want to contact your local bar association because they frequently have a referral service. So you'll call them. They have a panel of attorneys that they probably have interviewed or done some kind of investigation on um, and they will put you in contact.
0: Oh, it has been such a pleasure speaking with you today. You are a gem. I feel more informed.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you so much for coming on the show, Christy. You're amazing.
1: Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be here. Happy lawyering. (laughs) Happy wedding.
0: Did I not tell you that was informative and worth a re-listen? I really encourage you all to go back through your vendor contracts and just figure out where you stand with everyone, especially if you've got friends and uh, frienders who are helping you, which is great, but just make sure everyone's on the same page. You've got something in writing and it doesn't mean you have to go like Christy said and be all legal on their ass. It just means that you know where uh, you're all on the same page. You know what you all need to do. Get things in writing, and that will stop any dramas. The end. If you have a question, a theme, a comment that you would like to send to me, you can either leave it as a post on the Bride Chiller community. Join the Bride Chiller community on our Facebook, on our Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg and myself's Facebook, and also uh, you can email me simply Alicia at thebridechiller.com. You can find the link on the website thebridechiller.com and i encourage you to uh, share your thoughts till next monday's episode of the show i bid you all happy days adieu good times and again happy days the bride Chilla podcast empowering
1: you to kick a wedding planning ass every day